The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. Hopefully you're staying warm out there, man. It is chilly outside once again in the Auburn Opelika area, but it's nice, toasty, and warm here inside the studio at ESPN 106.7. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. And it is Wednesday. It's rival. Wednesday and Uncle T-Bone joins me back in the studio. Been a couple of days man. Last time we had you in here was Friday uh, since we didn't have a show on Monday for MLK Day. You're not with me on Tuesday, Thursday so welcome back man. It's great to see you again. Yeah uh, great to be back. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. If you listened to us last Friday we had a discussion about the NFL playoffs. Yeah! And and my man Jacob Goins being a massive Green Bay fan. Yours truly. Uh, a huge uh, Dallas Cowboys fan. I was also a big Houston Oilers fan growing up out of the AFC, but they're no longer with us. And uh, I did not see that coming, Jacob. I did not see. I thought this was the year that Dallas finally gets over the hump with Dak Prescott, mm. a.k.a. Yak Prescott, <laughs> yakking up another gagger in the playoffs for the Cowboys. And my hat's off to you, and congratulations. That was no fluke. That was no uh, weird thing happened, kick six type situation, grave digger in the game type of thing for Green Bay. They are the better team. They are the better coach team. They had the better quarterback play. And right now they're the better franchise than Dallas, and they rolled up into, uh, into Arlington or wherever it is they play now and into Jerry World and just dominated Dallas. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. The first uh, first quarter, I was outside doing uh, some yard work and finishing up, and I yelled out to my, my to my son who was on our porch where the TV was going. What's the score? And he said 14 to nothing. I was like, That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I walked up there and I saw it was 14 nothing Green Bay. To Dallas, and my head just went down. Oh no! And I knew it was over. Oh, so congratulations, no. Jacob. That was uh, yeah. that was an amazing game by Jordan Love. Look, uh, there's got to be some changes in Dallas. I know we got a lot to talk about here locally, but let's just get into this real quick since I'm eating crow, and just do it while I'm eating crow. Uh, it's time for uh, Jerry and uh, his son and his family to give up. Uh, general manager duties and control of that football team because if I my math correctly correct they have not been not one not even played in a Super Bowl since 1995 mm. Mm, mm, mm. and and you're talking about the most valuable brand in sports or close to it what once was a top five franchise in the NFL 
You're talking about a team that has a star on its helmet, man. I mean, you better live up to the hype, and they haven't lived up to the hype for 30 years. It's time for change in Dallas. Congratulations, Green Bay, and congratulations, Jacob. I'll be pulling for the Packers from here on out. Wow. Well, that was that was very heartfelt. Thank you so much. I talked about it a little bit yesterday. We actually had a couple calls about it yesterday as well, and um, I was definitely going to bring it up at some point, but I'm glad you went ahead and did. We'll get it out of the way. Look, Green Bay... Uh, they're playing their best football by a lot right now. And Jordan Love and this team figures something out about halfway through. Mm-hmm. He's putting up MVP-style numbers in the back half of the season. Yeah. And I told you I felt good about the game. I did. Now, did I think Green Bay was going to put up 48 points and win by 16? No, I did not. And nobody expected that. And it should have been worse. It could have very well could have been. A couple of those late scores by the Cowboys were garbage-time scores. And... Green Bay's playing very confident. Now, I'm very worried about the 49ers this weekend on the road, but especially since CMC is cleared to play. But Green Bay had no pressure. Dallas had all the pressure in that game. They had to win it, right? This is this was the Cowboys' year once again. This was the time for them to make a run, and they weren't prepared, and Green Bay came in and, and dominated. So I'm happy for the Packers, of course, for me. Uh, and I'm with you on Dallas, man. It, somebody's got to go. Something's got to change. And the one constant that's been there for a really long time is the man calling the shots upstairs who's pretty old now. I think he's got to go. I'm with you on that, man. I think Dallas has got to find a way to new, move on. Sort of like we're seeing in Tuscaloosa right now. It's time to clean that slate and move on and get into the next generation. Whew, before we get into that, uh, you know, Dak Prescott, I was thinking about this on the way in and what I was going to say. Um uh, He's like Penn State football. I love it. He he beats bad teams badly. Yep. But when it comes to crunch time, and he really has to come up with something to beat a team with the same amount of talent or more, he can't do it. And he's proved that back into college. I mean, remember when Mississippi State got all the way up to number one with Dan Mullen in 2014? That seems like, I mean, that was 10 years ago. And, they, and, and, you know, they had the referees on their side and the cowbells ringing when they took down Auburn, and they're on top of the world, right? What happened? They couldn't get past Alabama. Mm-mm. He's never been able to get past Alabama. You know, he's never going to get past the really good teams in the NFL in the playoffs. And without a physical running back anymore in Ezekiel Elliott, who was in his prime maybe the best running back in the league, if not top three, Tony Pollard, serviceable back at best in my opinion. Thanks, buddy. You're no Ezekiel Elliott. They got one playmaker on that offense in C.D. Lamb in my opinion. Yeah. The rest of the receivers are a bunch of no-names. And where in the world, for the longtime Dallas fans like me, is that Jason Witten, that Jay Novacek type tight end that can expose people across the middle of the field. Their talent on the offensive side of the field is terrible. Mm -hmm. It's time to get a general manager who knows what they're doing. Defensively, What? where was Micah Parsons? Where was that wrecking crew type defense? Stephon Gilmore played maybe one of the worst games. They should just call him Toast Gilmore. Oh, gosh. He got lit up <laughs> by Green Bay by a guy who 
who who had never been in a playoff game before, Jacob. First start ever for Jordan Love in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm telling you. This, Green Bay is the youngest team to ever make the playoffs, Uncle T-Bone. Ever. I think that, and I mean, this isn't going too far out on a limb, but they can beat San Fran, but the winner of that game is going to the Super Bowl. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes, man. Yeah. Uh, NFL playoffs are off and running. Had a great weekend, and uh, we you knew we were going to have to talk about that a little bit today, and I appreciate you coming in to start the show off like that. That means hey, a lot. you earned it, man, and so did Green Bay. I mean, look, that was uh, just a complete beatdown, and that's no fluke. That's a really good football team who's hotter than a $2 pistol right now. You better believe it. So Packers taking on the 49ers. We'll talk some more NFL playoffs on Friday uh, as we get closer to the weekend. But hope you're doing well on this Wednesday. we got a lot to talk about besides that today. Uh, we've got to talk about the uh, the uh, the spiraling that's happening right now across the state in Tuscaloosa with everything going on. They're hiring coaches, but they're losing players all at the same time. Fan base doesn't know what to think. We'll talk about that today. Auburn also hired a new offensive coordinator today and a running backs coach. We got to talk about that today. Plus, in case you forgot, we have Auburn basketball to talk about tonight. They take on Vanderbilt on the road, a place that they have not played very well the last couple of years, Uncle T-Bone. So that's what's on the schedule today. Plus... Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us for Rivalry Wednesday. He'll join us coming up in about 20-25 minutes. So excited to talk to him about a really, really good Georgia basketball team. They are good. They had Tennessee on the ropes and should have beat them. Yep. They let them off the hook. That's a good Tennessee team. This Georgia team had won 10 in a row. And uh, if they keep playing ball like they, they have been playing, especially how they played against Tennessee – they're going to the NCAA tournament, and that'll be the first time in forever, Jacob. Yeah, well, they need a couple of wins to do it, but they definitely have the team to do it. And so we'll talk to him coming up in about, like I said, about 20 minutes or so. Outside of that Jordan Hill interview, phone lines are open. What do you want to talk about on this Wednesday afternoon? 334-321-1390. That's the, name. That's the number to get you through to us. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about on this chilly, sunny Wednesday afternoon in the Auburn-Opelika area? And Uncle T-Bone, I, I think we do have to start with what's happening in Tuscaloosa. I do want to get to the Auburn news as we go along through the show. But, man, we've never seen players like this in this amount leave Tuscaloosa leave the Alabama football program and that's exactly what's happening and it's not just random third or fourth strings two and three star walk-ons they're losing big time five stars to big time programs right now I saw a post on Twitter slash X it showed Alabama's two deep I believe right there at the end of the season and out of that two deep you can cross off 23 players that are in the portal or gone mm. goodbye and I don't care who you are, that is unsustainable as a program. I had counted the other day before the, the re most recent rounds of people entering the uh, transfer portal, including uh, uh, Kalen Proctor, including uh, uh, Jalen Proctor, including Caleb Downs, who, I mean, he, he's all SEC safety, if not pushing All-American next year. I mean, this is big-time talent that's just, just exiting stage left before Kalen DeBoer can even get his bearings around him. Mm -hmm. And um, I had counted the other day that 21 players had entered the portal right before Nick Saban had retired. And this, and, and that was from the start of the season. And most of these players were, were, were not real contributors, but a lot of them were big-time recruits on paper. 
you know, four or five star guys. And I was thinking to myself, man, that's almost an entire recruiting class gone. Yeah. Well, it's gone way past that now. This is like a top 20 recruiting class now that's left your program. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Alabama has done as good a job as anybody is stacking up talent into their football program, not just over the last couple of years, but over the last 16 years, really. But, but how, do you, how do you manage this? You cannot. And not only is it players right now leaving the portal, Jacob, it's tons of people who were committed next year in the 2025 class, which at one point, while well, Saban was still there, was a top five class. Now it's dropped down to like 16th. And it continues to fall faster than Enron's stock. Well, here's what I'll say is welcome to the show. Welcome (laughs) to the show, Alabama. Welcome to how the world has worked. Welcome to what every other college football program has dealt with the last five to six years is there is a major fallout when you have a coaching change. There is a major change in the players you have on your roster, the players that you are bringing into your roster through high school recruiting. And when you have a coaching change, yeah, the days are going to be dark for a while. And I've heard a lot of people talk about this. And, you know, will it get worse before it gets better for Alabama? Yeah, probably. But No sympathy for people here in Auburn, I can tell you that. We've dealt with our fair share of coaching changes, transfer portal losses, recruiting flops. And it's kind of, for Auburn fans, they seem to be enjoying the downfall of what could be Alabama. Will they land on their feet? Probably. But the future's very unknown right now for that program across the state. Well, it's just not Auburn fans. Look, it's, it's the rest of the SEC outside of Georgia, really, who's just been dominated by Alabama and Nick Saban for so long. I mean, everyone's in the pool and the water's warm. Tide, jump on in, right? I mean, Alabama has absolutely been the best in college football under Nick Saban for quite some time, okay? And and you like to say this saying, Jacob, and I totally agree with you. It's never as good as you think it is, but it's never as bad as you think it is. But with Alabama and Nick Saban, that's, that, that's not true. It was as good as you can get That's ever as good as it's in ever college be. football, and it's as good as you ever be. And I'm telling you right now, it's bad. It's real bad up there with this amount of talent leaving and this amount of uncertainty. Now, I'm not. they take football so seriously up there, there's no way over time they're not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're, they will eventually, if not soon, compete for championships, especially with the extended playoff. But for anybody to think that it was going to be just seamless after Nick Saban left and that they're not in jeopardy of falling off the face of the earth also, there's, a, there's two extremes here. Oh, we're going to be fine. We're going to be great. Or they're going to be terrible. No, it could be in the middle. And in that middle is a lot of mediocrity. But what I see right now with all of this is a regular nuclear meltdown, baby, a regular Chernobyl going on. Well, here's my thing. Before we get to break, and then we'll get to the phone lines after that. Here's the thing is even if Nick Saban had stayed, okay, even if Nick Saban, who is considered and will be become the greatest coach of all time in college football, Even if he had stayed, okay, there was never, ever, ever, ever going to be a dynasty built like that again that we saw with Nick Saban in Alabama from the day he was hired until right around right now where he just dominated college football where he would go in and get the biggest recruits, the biggest names, the best recruiting classes. He was winning the SEC dang near every year and was competing and winning national championships. That long of a dominant run 
will no longer exist, and it will never become a thing ever again in this sport. I promise you. A 15- to 17-year dominance, that's never going to happen because of all the things we talk about every day on this program and every other sports talk person talks about, NIL and Transfer Portal. Those two things have ruined college football, but they've also ruined dynasties like Nick Saban built, and some people may think that's a good thing for the sport. That's a conversation for a later date. But Alabama will never become what Nick Saban had built for them. Never again. And I'm not saying that's because it's not Nick Saban. I'm saying that's because this is where college football is now. Yeah, Jacob. I mean, I don't know really if we've had a whole lot of time with the, uh, with the holiday on Monday and the late breaking news on DeBoer being hired later in last week to talk about this. But I'm going to tell you right now, now it's not quite as significant um, culturally as what happened when I was in ninth grade. But when I was in ninth grade, the Berlin Wall fell. And I'm telling you right now, the Berlin Wall of college football just fell. And there is a massive, massive void behind it to be filled. And it's going to be a balkanization of teams. It's going to be many, many personalities at coaches, championships, different teams, different players over a long period of time until we ever see that type of power play happen again in college football. We got to get to our first break here at hour number one. Would love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. We have a ton of Auburn news to talk about. We have college basketball news to talk about. We'll talk a little Auburn basketball when we come back as they take on Vanderbilt tonight. Also, more news from Tuscaloosa, this time on the hardwood. We got to talk about that when we come back as well here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Don't go anywhere. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on the line. Good to hear from you, man. Been too long. Uh, Yeah, it's good to talk to you. I hope you all are doing good today. I'll tell you, you know, I'm bundled up when I I had to get out early, early. It was 11, but, uh, you know, really the wind's not blowing. It's not that bad. Out in the sun, it's not horrible, but you get in that shade and pick up a little breeze, man, it'll uh, it'll, it'll, it'll nip you a little bit. I'm not staying out there long, you know. But I, I was gonna. It's good to talk some football after listening to a three-hour Alabama crybaby information infomercial that we hear before you come on. Uh, I, I'm so sick of that. I don't know why that gets broadcast on this station. But uh, I, I wanted to talk about just a couple of things about as far as the reality instead mm-hmm. of the insanity of, of what's happening at Bama. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, it's not just it's not just a couple of players. They are at the, what everybody what pundits are saying. They the number one guy, Caleb Downs, you know, leaving, and, and he had a start position at the University of Alabama. And you hear everybody, well, they're not going to Alabama for yeah, yeah they're not going there. They're going there to get that Alabama pedigree. Uh, you know, it, this is just college football, and it's a mess, guys. It is. And it's a mess. It's a mess for Auburn. It's a mess for Bama. I, I think they got to, you know, get some kind. Of, put at least a two-year. Uh, it make guys stay for two years, and uh, 
maybe even if I don't know if you transfer within your first year that you have to set out a year. I, I don't know. That, that'd be a way to do it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But, but 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 what I'll yeah, I'll go to what I'm really calling you about. I you, you know I'm not calling to complain, but but yeah, that uh, there's no there's no escaping what's happening at families. It's you know what happens. It, it you're going to go through a change, and it, it'll be you know. And they could they could do very well this year, and then but you don't go things don't go on like that. But on Auburn, uh, Derek Nix now he, he he's in right. Yes, yeah. Auburn actually made an official announcement mm-hmm. uh, about fifteen twenty minutes ago that he is officially hired as the offensive coordinator. Yes. Yeah, uh, and, and it kind of makes uh, Lane Kiffin's kind of a little old jab. I know you saw the oh yeah social media thing. oh yeah yeah. It kind of makes him look a petty. But uh, what do you think about Will Rogers? And the potential for him to come to Auburn? Yeah. I don't know. And it's funny, we had this – I talked a a hair about this yesterday, not very long. But, um, Uh you know, it's just – I don't know, Ed. I I just – I don't think it's going to happen, if I'm just being really honest with you. Um, I think Uh he was – you know, he was committed to play at Washington before DeBoer left from Washington to go to Alabama. And I think he was going out there to play in that style of offense, to Mm -hmm. play in a very high-level – fast-paced, air raid-ish offense, right? Of course, that's what he was brought up in with Mike Leach at Mississippi State. I think the same reason that Bo Nix went to Oregon, right? And so, not that Auburn can't have that type of offense, but I just don't know if he would take that gamble right now. Well, well, let me just ask you this. You know, we all got our, you know, we all want to do the best, and we all got our little ego. If he came back and passed for just a mediocre amount of yards for any school in the SEC next year, he would become the all-time leading passer in the SEC. Yeah. So don't you think that would, you know, if not Auburn, I'm I'm, I'm just saying that I I think he definitely – would fit with Auburn. I, I'm. I, I just bring it up, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate the call, Ed. Great to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you, Ed. Give us a call at three three four three two one thirteen ninety here at On the Line. I, you know, Will Will Rogers is he going to leave Washington? I mean, no, like, yeah, he he already announced he did. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. he he said he's he's planning on transferring. So okay, well, it's not like Washington doesn't have a uh, quality coach backing up Kalen DeBoer. Uh, Jed Fish from the University of Arizona is their new coach at Washington. And Arizona was one of those teams like Missouri that at the end of the season you did not want any part of. I don't know where uh, Will Rogers will land. I think wherever he lands, he'll he'll be a quality player. But, you know, I, and look, he's thrown for a pile of yards, but has he ever really won anything? Who, Will Rogers? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Egg Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I, look, is is he really that much significantly better than anybody we have at Auburn right now, including Walker White, who's coming in? That's the question people I, will ask. I mean, to pay that kind of money in NIL that you're going to have to pay, when I know people don't want to hear it because Peyton Thorne had such a terrible, terrible bowl game. But it wasn't all his fault, folks. Yeah. Receivers got to catch the ball, man. Shane, what do you think about all this, man? You're on the line. Hey, uh, first off, yeah, he's much better than who we have now. But but I'm I'm pumped about Walker White coming in. I'm I'm excited for that guy. If we can get one good year of of, of some quarterback play and, and not lose the receivers, you know. Um, I, I'm thinking Walker White's going to take over in probably his sophomore year, and um, 
under Hugh Freeze and do some well, you know, do some amazing things. The last thing is uh, what Ed said. I completely agree about what Ed was uh, originally talked about about the station before us. I love Doug and, and them, but good gracious, it is a it is a bunch of you know web burgers and, and you know it is it's it's ridiculous. They, they think everything's fine. It's from what they're they're saying, and the whole thing is is, is all we ha- all we hear about is Alabama, and I know it's a big deal, and they, and they're scared, but. I mean, there are other sports going on right now. Uh, yeah. So. Yep. Well, I got guys. I know you got a break. Yeah, so appreciate the call, Shane. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We are against a break. We got Jordan Hill coming on in just a second from Dogs two four seven. Tebow, and your thoughts? I mean, you know, I, I think that um, the Alabama talk has been uh, very accelerated since Nick Saban left. I mean, he he meant that much not just to Alabama. Not just the SEC, but the college football. I mean, he was one of the few people, in my opinion, in my life, that were bigger than the game that they participated in. So, naturally, there's going to be a lot of talk about that right now. Um, you know, just stick with him, man. There's plenty of Auburn talk on there, too. And I think that Bruce Pearl and them are going to seize that moment here tonight. You better believe it. Well, hey, coming up, we're going to talk with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 for a Rivalry Wednesday. We have him on every week. Get caught up on the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll wrap up hour number one with some Auburn talk. All Auburn and coming up in hour number two as well. Stick with us here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into a busy hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. He's Uncle T-Bow and I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Taking a sidestep from all the conversations we've been having because it's Rivalry Wednesday which means we're joined by Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 in hour number one as we are every single Wednesday. Jordan, hope you're doing well. Great to have you back on the program, man. Definitely, yeah, guys. Uh, good to be back on, and uh, I think this is the second week in a row. I'm kind of saying I have no idea what we're going to talk about, so can't can't wait to see what's going to happen. There's there's just not a lot going on in college athletics, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just there's nothing. We're we're struggling to figure out uh, what to fill two hours of radio with, and so uh, we we figured you had something you could bring to the to the program, and we were just going to let you be a third co-host today. Yeah, you know, I, I think I could come up with an hour or so, may, maybe pushing it by that fifty minute mark. But we'll see what we can do. Well, let's talk about the obvious. Let's talk about the thing that happened a week ago today, which is crazy that it's already been a week. January 10th will be a day that many fans in the other part of our state will um, will regret and really just um, look f- and look ahead past, right? And then everybody else across the state will look forward to that day and celebrate it as an anniversary as Nick Saban retired from Alabama. He's no longer a coach in college football. And so... I want to get the Georgia perspective on this. How did the Georgia fans react here? How did some of the coaches or players react if you've had a chance to get some some words from them? I mean, walk us through what it's been like for the past week or so for Georgia football in relation to the biggest news we've had in a while. Well, starting with the fans, I, I have not heard tell of there being a, a ticker tape parade to celebrate Nick Saban retiring, but I'm sure that those are in motion. You know, Georgia fans are understandably really happy that 
Saban is walking away. Now, I think the logical fans understand that he's the greatest of all time. And I don't think uh, you can really make an argument against it with everything he accomplished. But he was a thorn in, uh, in Georgia's side for so long. I believe he leaves uh, with a 5-1 and one record against Kirby Smart. And, uh, you know, when you look at it from a recruiting side, I mean, he was Georgia's biggest, uh, you know, issue on the recruiting trail. I mean, they were so many of these recruiting battles uh, went down to Alabama and Georgia. Georgia won their fair share of them, but, you know, it was always Alabama. And you see a lot of guys who in the days since Nick has retired um, are now considering Georgia because Nick Saban is no longer in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, as far as the coaches' reactions, you know, Kirby was on the radio not long after uh, Nick had retired and, you know, made sure to say how much he appreciated him. As a former boss, as a coach, as a man, you know, he talked about what Nick had meant uh, to the state of Alabama, to Tuscaloosa, to college football, he and Miss Terry both. So, you know, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, admiration on the side of Kirby Smart, but at the same time, I feel pretty confident that uh, you know, he's he's pretty thrilled. He does not have to go up against Nick Saban anymore because you know that that probably kept him up late at night quite a bit. And uh, I think that it's only going to get easier from that standpoint when it comes to recruiting going up against Alabama. I don't think they're going away, uh, but it's definitely going to be easier without having to do it against Nick Saban. Uh, we're talking with Jordan Hill, Dogs twenty four seven. Uh, Jordan, I've been seeing the uh, famous yellow helicopter on Twitter a lot that Kirby likes to fly around in uh, and uh, land in high schools. Uh, looks like he's making some inroads on some Alabama uh, commitments for the class of 2025. Uh, got some decommitments uh, recently for the Tide, and Georgia's right in the mix of it. Mention some of those recruits for next year's recruiting class. And also, what about Caleb Downs and a few of these other players at Alabama in the transfer portal? Are they uh, they heading to Athens next season? That's something that everybody's really watching, and the top one is Caleb Downs. And he's got a lot of connections to Georgia. Kirby Smart had recruited him super, super hard coming out of Mill Creek High School, and he chose to go to Alabama and, you know, a big piece of why people are looking at Georgia, not only because of the success they've had these past few years, but uh, Georgia just hired T-Rob, uh, Tavares Robinson, uh, who back in the day was on Auburn's staff and mm-hmm. been on a lot of staff coming over from Alabama. He was one of Caleb Downs' primary recruiters when he was going to Tuscaloosa. Um, so nothing is done yet, but there is a lot of momentum on Georgia's side. Uh, looking at it, I think Georgia should feel really good about where it stands on getting him. How soon that's going to happen, I'm not sure. But if you want to talk about the rich getting richer, that would be a case of that. I mean, this was a guy that won the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year award for his play as a freshman in that Crimson Tide defense. He is highly coveted. I think Ohio State is the biggest threat to Georgia getting him, but uh, Georgia feels really good right now. And as far as some of the other players you mentioned, uh, Alabama has had some decommits. The one that imme- immediately comes to mind is Mason Short, an interior offensive lineman. Georgia's been after him really hard, and uh, Kirby Smart made sure to go pay him a visit not very long after he decommitted from the Crimson Tide. And uh, I can assure you that that was not a coincidence. So, yeah, Georgia is making sure to make the most of the timing of Nick Saban's retirement. 
I know a lot of Alabama fans are upset, and I can understand that. But you know, Kirby Smart and his staff have a job to do, and they see an opportunity, and to this point it looks like they're going to take full advantage of it. Uh, follow-up question on Traverius Robinson. I'm looking at an uh, article that says, former Nick Saban protege rejects Alabama D.C. job for co-coordinator role at another SEC powerhouse, meaning Georgia. Is he, is he really a, a Saban protege? I've always kind of felt like he was more of a Will Muschamp protege and that they're uh, pretty tight. And What's their relationship like? And uh, is this part of uh, him coming over to kind of relieve uh, Coach Muschamp of some, some of the responsibilities of co-defensive coordinator and he take a step back? Uh, we've seen by all accounts that uh, he wants to spend some more time with his family. Is that correct? Yeah, T-Bone, I think you hit it. I mean, he spent some time on Nick Saban's staff, but he's a Will Muschamp guy through and through, coached with him at Florida, coached with him when Will went to Auburn That's right. and then coached with him at South Carolina. So, I mean, he, he's a Will Muschamp guy. And, yeah, I think it was a situation where Will Muschamp was ready to take a step back, you know, not totally walking away from football, but one of his youngest sons is going to Vanderbilt, getting ready to play quarterback there. His other son, Jackson, has been at Georgia as a walk-on actually got in that Orange Bowl, and that was a pretty cool moment seeing Will celebrate on the sidelines when he picked up a first down. But I think it was a situation where T-Rob saw an opportunity uh, to leave, not knowing what was going to happen at Alabama. And Georgia and Kirby Smart understand how good of a recruiter he is, the connections he has to the Southeast, especially in Miami. Um, What a job he's done and being from Miami, the connections he has there. So, they pounced, and it was really strategic. He was hired on Saturday morning, and it was a weekend where there were a lot of kids in Athens and a lot of recruits checking out Georgia, and I think they kind of made that happen quickly where they could sort of show the recruits on hand, hey, this is our plan, this is what we're going to do. So, yeah, uh, I see T-Rob more as a Muschamp protege and a guy that sort of learned under Will Muschamp's uh, you know, guidance, and Will – Deciding to step back, I think it opened a big opportunity for Georgia. And I, I think it's a home run hire to be able to bring him in and to add him as co-defense court. Jordan, a couple of days ago, you wrote a really good article on dogs247.com about the potential outlook of the Georgia football roster for 2024 coming up this fall. Without giving away too much of the goods and have people you know, sign up and go and check it out at dogs247.com, what can you tell us? Maybe some surprises or some expectations for that roster offensively and defensively for Kirby Smart and Georgia coming up here in 2024? Well, the thing that's going to be really interesting is just to see some of the battles that are shaping up. And um, there's some pretty obvious ones throughout this roster, right? Tackle after losing to Marius Mims, who's probably at worst going to be a second-round pick. Very well could go in the first round in April. Um, But you've also got tight end needing guys to step up after losing Brock Bowers. Safety, which, again, we just talked about Caleb Downs, if Mm -hmm. they were to land him. You don't really have to worry about safety if, if he winds up fitting in and going to be very unfair uh, for offenses to go against a secondary that includes him and Malachi Stark who you know no big deal he was an all-american as a sophomore this year so. yeah just light work over there yeah yeah I, I'm not sure what they're going to do they, they don't got a lot to work with uh, but yeah cornerback as well uh, losing Kamari Laster another guy who could be uh, picked in one of these first two rounds so they're in pretty good shape on the whole I mean you bring back Carson Beck who I thought did a really good job in his first year starting uh, you got holes to fill, but George has been very smart about how it's used the portal, and 
again, as we were just talking about, how they're continuing to use the portal. Um, there's some holes and there's some battles that are going to be worth watching, uh, but they've got a pretty good feel for what this roster is going to look like and how they're going to line up uh, when they roll the ball out uh, in spring practice. Jordan, uh, basketball over in Athens is uh... – it's it's exciting this season. Big On a win, roll, big win last night at South Carolina, seventy four to sixty nine. Dogs improved to thirteen and four, and they travel up to the Bluegrass State, up to the Commonwealth to take on Kentucky in historic Rupp Arena Saturday at six p.m. What are your thoughts on that basketball game? Yeah, you know Georgia comes in with a lot of momentum. I, I don't think I would have ever imagined them being thirteen and four, three and one in SEC play to this point, and you know, had a really good shot at being 4-0. and You know, led Tennessee with uh, about six minutes to go, and Tennessee made a rally. Dalton Connect, he might be the SEC player of the year. He has been playing outstanding. But, yeah, Georgia's done a very good job. I think they're going to have a fight on their hands playing Kentucky. But, you know, I think the thing that's been the most impressive to me about this team this year is how they played away from home. In true road games, they're 3-0 and this year. I haven't beaten Florida State, haven't beaten Missouri, and then haven't beaten South Carolina. Uh, last night so uh, they've done a good job away from home I think that uh, it's going to take a lot to beat this Kentucky team I think Kentucky might be like seventh or eighth in the country right now Uh, but this Georgia team doesn't panic and I think that is something that can really serve them well when they play a team as talented as the Wildcats you know you would see last year in Mike White's first year and this is a, a very different looking roster but they would get down 10 12 points and you can just sort of see it sort of shut off sort of just sort of go through the motions. And that hasn't been the case this year. They've done a very good job. Uh, and then did it again last time against South Carolina. Got down probably nine or ten points early in the second half and rallied back. And that was sort of the key to that first road win they had against Florida State. They got down 16. And I was ready to go ahead and write my story and say, okay, they lost, you know, going to try to bounce back from this. And lo and behold, they make a rally. Justin Hill hits a, a last-second shot to win that game. So, They've been very, very impressive. Uh, Again, I think they're going to have a fight on their hands going to Lexington. Uh, But you can't count this Georgia team out. They've done a very good job against teams that I think have more talent. And Bulldogs just keep finding ways to make things interesting. Well, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. And if you disagree, please, please let me know. But I feel like that South Carolina game or even that Missouri game or the even you know the Arkansas game which they won by 10 of course Arkansas not really what we thought they were going to be but that South Carolina game last night in years past that's not a game Georgia won right that's not a game they they would get a run and and win that game on the road you mentioned going down and having the you know the same old same old go down by eight or ten and never be able to come back I feel like in the past they didn't win games like they did last night against South Carolina not at all, and I think they've just gotten so much more physical, and they're not afraid to to kind of grind these out and find ways to win. There were both teams last night shot thirty two free throws, and to Georgia's credit, they did a whole lot better in South Carolina. I think they hit maybe nine or ten more than South Carolina did, and it was a game where I think it really highlighted how Mike White has reloaded this roster, where they're not really having to lean on one guy or two guys, and if they have an off night, well, you know, we have no chance. You know, Russell Chiwa, their seven-foot center, had a really good first half. He winds up in foul trouble, and they turn it over to Frank Anselm eBay, a guy that played a lot last year and has been a reserve this year, and he had by far his best game of the season. I mean, the fact that they've developed guys, the fact that they are deep enough, that they don't get 
uh, their plans sort of uh, derailed when things aren't going their way. I think it's huge, and you know, there's still a long way to go. You know, that was just Georgia's first quad one win last night, winning at South Carolina. Um, but I think there's a lot to like about this team. They've got some big battles ahead, but uh, I think uh, there's there's plenty of reason to think that they could be playing in the postseason by the time we get to March. Georgia at Kentucky, number eight team in the country. Saturday, they play home against LSU at Florida and then home versus Alabama. Those are the next four games for the Georgia Bulldogs basketball team. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joins us every Wednesday at 2.30 for Rivalry Wednesday. Man, we appreciate you as always. Always a good time talking with you, and nobody covers the dogs better than you do. Tell people where they can find all your fantastic work, what's coming up for, uh, for you and everything going on at Dogs 247. I appreciate that, Jacob. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill on Twitter at Dogs247. So a lot of content still going through football, off-season stuff, getting the men's basketball previews ready for that Kentucky game. And again, the Caleb Downs saga, the Caleb Downs, I guess, re-recruitment. Uh, we're going to be following it very closely. And when we hear uh, more intel, we're going to share it with our subscribers over there at Dogs247. So if you're a Georgia fan, I highly recommend you get over there because this is going to be something you're not going to want to miss. Awesome, man. You guys do great work. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday here on the show. All right. Sounds great, guys. That's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up hour number one. We've got more Auburn to talk about, football and basketball. That's what's coming up as we wrap up hour number one and get into hour number two here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines once again as we wrap up hour number one, 334 334- 321-1390. John and Auburn, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow. Hey, guys. Hey, had a question for you guys because I haven't seen this reported anywhere today, which makes me think I'm missing someone in my in my memory bank. So with the signing of Derek Nix today as, you know, offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and, I mean, you can take that for whatever it's worth without maybe play-calling responsibility, I'm just going through my head thinking to myself, is this the first minority hire at offensive coordinator in program history? Mm. Yes, it is. I think so. I think it is. I haven't seen that anywhere, but I can't can't think of anyone else just in my own mind. As offensive coordinator, right? You're asking just as offensive coordinator? Oh, I'm trying to scrape my brain. My initial response, I want to say yes, John. I do too. I mean, maybe on an interim basis, on a coaching change or right. something like that. Yeah. But but for full time, I I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just just a thought there, and then had a had a had a comment on the offense next year, and I'll tie your Packers into it. All right, so I love it. When I look at the NFL, I look at quarterbacks, and so many franchises will go out, draft a first year quarterback, put them in there immediately and it's a Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. or it's some other first-year situation that just really doesn't wind up working. You look at Patrick Mahomes, who sat behind Alex Smith. You look at Justin uh, Love, uh, Jordan Love, who sat behind um, Aaron Rodgers. That's what works. And I think next year, 
I think Auburn's defense will pace the offense, and I think you will hear a lot of calls for Walker White. I think it will be very interesting to see how Auburn monitors his development because on the college level, the only elite freshman quarterback I can remember is Trevor Lawrence, and he set half of his freshman season. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right because the NFL they have and it's become a weird trend in the NFL. They're saying, "Okay, we're going to we're going to draft this really really talented quarterback out of college, first, second, third overall pick, and we're going to throw him in there and hope that we can hit the home run." Right, John? They're going for a home run or a strikeout. And that's pretty much all they get. Whereas somebody, yeah, like like the Green Bay Packers, they've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back-to-back, and they've brought them all the same way, and they're hoping Jordan Love becomes that too by bringing him in, sit him for two or three years. You learn from the veteran in front of you, and then by the time their name is called, they're ready to go. And I don't understand why that's not a more popular strategy in the NFL or in college because, like you said, John, it works. I think the strategy is that you want to win with a quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that's a huge part of it, too. I, I mean, yeah, it's apples to, I mean, it's apples to oranges. But developmentally and for strictly what happens on the field, I agree with you. I think that's the better approach. Yeah. So, again, I just, I just think it will be interesting if the offense is sluggish to begin the season, kind of how that plays out. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, John. Hey, appreciate the, yeah, appreciate the call, John. Yeah, some of these NFL franchises are so putrid that they have to turn to a rookie quarterback just to generate some interest. Some buzz, yeah. And some buzz and some sizzle and some merchandise sales. I mean, look at C.J. Stroud compared to Bryce Young this season. One's been a home run and one's been a strikeout. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to continue like that, but, I mean, if you're going to go out and you're going to get a big-time guy – uh, teams like Green Bay and Pittsburgh and, and New England, for that matter, and that have just been on such solid ground as a franchise for so long, they don't have to take those chances. But right. a lot of quarterback talk today, Jacob. I hear we're getting some feedback about Will Rogers. Maybe we'll discuss some of that in the next hour. We'll have some more of that. We'll talk more Auburn football news with Derek Nix being hired as the offensive coordinator. Kent Austin has officially been promoted, and uh, as the um, as he's been promoted in the offense today as well as a quarterbacks coach for Auburn. Plus Auburn basketball, we got to talk about that too as they take on Vanderbilt tonight up in the Music City. All that coming up in hour number two. Give us a call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Hour number two coming up. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we are underway here in hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. <laughs> I'm Jacob Goins. He's Uncle T-Bone with you in the studio. We're having too much fun on this show, man. We really do. We have too much fun during I mean, I the show. I feel like it's a free-for-all Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only Wednesday. Well, you haven't been in the studio since Friday. That's the problem. Well, you I've haven't been in it. here. I've missed it too. Well, look, if speaking of missing things, if you missed hour number one, uh, you can catch up with the podcast later on today, posted after the show. Uh, you can find it at ESPNAU.com. That's our station website. You can find all the podcasts there or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 back in hour number one. Also had... Some conversations about uh, Aub- or about all- Alabama, right? We talked some Alabama football with all the craziness going on up there. So really busy hour number one flew by. Uh, coming up here in hour number two, I want to start with the Auburn football news. I want us to talk about Derek Nix being hired as the offensive coordinator. I want to talk about Ken Austin being uh, promoted to the quarterbacks coach in the back half of the second hour. We're going to talk all things basketball. We need to talk Auburn taking on Vanderbilt tonight. We also need to talk about the fiasco that happened in Tuscaloosa. Yeah in the airplane hangar last night so that's what has to happen today we're going to talk about that here in this second hour phone lines are wide open give us a call what's on your mind 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to us on the phone lines we want to hear from you on this wednesday afternoon uncle t-bone auburn has now found their new offensive coordinator his name is Derek nix he comes from Ole miss he's been there for a really really long time he's a seasoned vet and a guy that I think Lane Kiffin's going to miss on his staff, he'll be on the new Auburn football staff as the offensive coordinator. Well, I think it's very obvious that if you follow Twitter or X and you follow Lane Kiffin, that he's not real happy about this uh, acquisition that Auburn's made off his coaching staff, especially uh, at this point in the season. I, I'm going to I'm gonna lay it down on my man Double D, Daryl Dapridge, who has just been hammering Lane Kiffin on I Twitter for acting like a child, and he has been very childish Weird remarks, crazy things, uh, texting, all uh, seems all upset with some weird thank you to to uh, Derek Nix on his way out. Basically, uh, it's just hard to explain. But uh, Ole Miss folks are none too happy about it. Nix uh, been over there for a long time. He coached with Hugh Freeze while Coach Freeze was over there. Heck of a recruiter. This is going to be a theme that you're going to see going forward as long as Hugh Freeze is at Auburn as a head coach with assistants, no matter what uh, position they coach, no matter if they're a coordinator or not. If you cannot recruit and you cannot close on high-level recruits, you're not going to be on this staff. Uh, all we're looking for now is to get that defensive uh, coordinator position filled, and the full staff will be here. And I think you're waiting to see what happens This weekend, like we were waiting last weekend in the professional ranks with the Houston Texans, Chris Kiffin, the linebacker coach for them, by all accounts the lead candidate to be the Auburn defensive coordinator, but nothing will be said or done if they continue to go down that road as long as Houston keeps winning NFL games. And Houston, like Green Bay, is red hot too. Yeah, it is. And so – you know, when it comes to Derek Nix and it comes to this offensive coordinator position, right, it's a 
it's a glorified offensive coordinator, I think, or I guess that's the wrong way to put it. He is also the running backs coach, and so he will be a glorified running backs coach, if you want to say it that way. And that has nothing to do with Derek Nix. It's not a downplay. That's not a, a, a slight to him whatsoever. But the announcement's already been made that Hugh Freeze is going to be the one calling plays, right? Could that change in the future? Sure, it, it could. I don't think it should, right? It could, but I don't think it should, um, depending on how it goes with Hugh Freeze, unless he's lost all touch with calling plays offensively. And so people may ask, okay, well, you hire this guy who's been at Ole Miss for, for over a decade, and he's one of the best coaches in all of college football, and I believe that. What's the big deal, right? I've heard people say that already. Okay, but what's the big deal? What, what, what does it mean? Why is it so important that we've hired this important of an offensive coordinator? It's a big name, but if he's not calling plays, what's he going to be doing? And I think he's going to be a good running backs coach. I think he's going to be an upgrade at the running back coach position. And I know people don't want to hear that, but I think it's the truth as a coach of the running backs. And I think he's just going to be an offensive mind. I think he's going to be a recruiter. I think he's going to be somebody that elevates this staff. Just because he's not calling plays offensively doesn't mean he can't benefit this program. And I think that's the direction that Auburn went with this hire, with Derek Nix as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he'll. I mean, who knows? He'll probably be calling some plays. You know, he'll have he'll have input for he'll sure. Definitely have input. You know, I think it's going to be a play call by committee, which means that Hugh Freeze is going to be very involved with the offensive play calling and should be. Right, you know, a lot of talk earlier in the first hour about whether or not they should have a new quarterback to work with in this new Derek Nix, Hugh Freeze, Ken Austin offense, who was also announced today officially as Auburn's quarterback coach, by the way. So there's going to be a lot of offensive minds, uh, play calling, game planning, uh, the strategy of everything, getting ready, coaching up the quarterbacks. You know, obviously Auburn needs to have better quarterback play this season. I mean, that's no that 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 was said after the bowl game. Oh, and that's been known for, for know, a while. And and uh, we had a caller earlier said that Auburn ought to take a look at Will Rogers. And you know, I said that is he really that much of an upgrade? Is it really that much better than what's over there right now? Meaning that you actually have to shell out money, like in free agency. Are you going to come up with $500,000 to have Will Rogers here? Right. It's not just, hey, let's go get him and right. pay him a scholarship. No, it's, I mean, it's about NIL money now. Yeah, let, let's, let's just not – I mean, uh, why don't they just go get Joe Montana? <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. we live I mean, in the real world here, and there's only so many dollars to go around. Right, and you Auburn, have to decide – you have to pick and choose where you spend that money. You've got to pick and choose. Auburn obviously did that on the recruiting trail this year to upgrade at receiver, which they needed to do. You know, and I know Peyton Thorne needed to play better last year, but I'd put the over-under, Jacob, easily at 50 dropped passes by the receivers this past season. No doubt. For the whole season. Catchable balls, not just ones that were there diving and laying out. I'm talking about very catchable balls. Four or five a game. You know, if half of those get caught, they probably win two more, three more games. Georgia and Alabama included. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't just the receivers. Jarquez Hunter had several drop passes and one key one in the Georgia game. But, you know, to this Will Rogers guy, you know, it's intriguing to me. I kind of done some digging, Jacob, while we were on break. You know, he really tore it up when Mike Leach was, rest your peace, Pirate, we miss you greatly, was the coach at Mississippi State for two seasons. He had big-time numbers under Mike Leach. But last year... 
He had a 59% completion percentage, 1,626 yards, 12 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Against really good teams like Alabama, he had such stellar numbers. He, uh, he only threw 107 yards, got sacked four times, and had three interceptions. Peyton Thorne, on the other hand, last year, well, he had a 61% completion percentage, 1,755 total yards, that's more than Will Rogers, and ran for an additional 515. Will Rogers ran for negative 15 yards last year, which means he has zero scrambling ability. You know, was it Will Rogers or was it the system he was in under Mike Leach? Granted, the years before he was killing it, but Mike Leach was creating a lot of opportunities for him. Well, this ain't a Mike Leach system, okay? You got to have a run a quarterback who can actually move the ball with his feet occasionally in a Hugh Freeze system. Look at Chad Kelly in the past. Look at uh, Bad Bro Wallace in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Auburn's got to run the ball. I mean, yeah, and their quarterback better I mean, be able to run the ball in today's offense. We're not running an air raid. Right. We've upgraded at receiver. That offensive line just got better because we got one of Mississippi State's offensive linemen who's probably going to start at left tackle next year, mm-hmm. and they're going to move Dylan Wade in. I'm not saying that Peyton Thorne is way better than Will Rogers, but he, but and I'm not saying anybody on that staff is, but you're telling me that Will Rogers is just that much better than anybody we have that you're going to throw around a bunch of NIL money to get him, and he may not even be here before the spring? No, 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 no. I don't, I'm not buying that. And there may be some fans that do. It may be fans that are on that train, and maybe there's fans that it's on another quarterback train, right? Maybe it's somebody else. And we know – I know you haven't had a chance to talk about this. Robbie Ashford transferring to South Carolina. We knew he was gone. We knew he was going to be transferring. That was the – that was the expectation, uh, but he's staying in the SEC, and congrats to him, and best of luck to him. But, you know, I think a lot of Auburn fans are just concerned. They're worried because of the uncertainty in the quarterback room, and that's very fair, right? It's very understandable, especially with all these brand-new shiny receivers you're bringing in because the, the worry and the narrative has now become, okay, we have all these nice receivers, we have all these big five stars and high-level four stars. If we don't use them... They're going to leave. And mm. I hate that we're talking about that, but that's, the, that's where we are in college football. That's the world that we live in, unfortunately. And I think Auburn fans are in the right to be concerned about that and just say, hey, do we have a legitimate guy? Do we have a trustworthy quarterback that's going to start next year? Is he on the roster or is he not? And I think what happens in the spring, I think that's going to give us a really good idea of that and now that you have hired your offensive coordinator and Derek Nix you've upgraded Ken Austin to become your quarterback's coach maybe everybody gets better maybe Peyton Thorne takes that step back to where he was at Michigan State a few years ago when he had them all the way up to number three in the country right maybe he gets back to that level and then gets a little bit better when he's here because we can all agree he took a step back There's no doubt about it. He took a step back, and he was not what Auburn was expecting here. But the potential's still there. He's done it before when he has big-time receivers, when he has an offensive line and a running back group that can help him out. He's a good quarterback. And if he's not, I think you've got good guys behind him with Holden Garner and Walker White, a, a guy that a caller talked about earlier today on the show. So... All of those things being said, 
I get where you're coming from, Uncle Tebow, and I do. Walker or a um, a Will Rogers is he's an attractive name to enter the portal. And I said this in the first hour. He was going to Washington for a reason. He was going with Kalen DeBoer in that offense, who is now going to Alabama. He was going out there to play in a let-it-fly, throw-for-5,000-yards type of offense. That's just what he wanted to do. He's not doing that anymore because DeBoer left, and so he's still up in the air. But like you said, Auburn's not doing that. They're going to be better at that. But that's not what Auburn does. Auburn's going to have a nice balance of throwing and running the football. Yeah, last year, uh, Will Rogers, 1,626 total yards, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions, QBR of 46.8, according to ESPN. That's ranked 93rd in the country. Peyton Thorne, 1,755 yards last year, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, QBR 57.7. He's ranked 69th. Is it really that much of an upgrade? Is Will Rogers really just that much better and athletic than Peyton Thorne? Or was it the fact that he really made a lot lot of big numbers while playing in a system that was perfectly set for him with Mike Leach? And Peyton Thorne had big numbers while he was at Michigan State. I'm willing to give just about everybody a mulligan last year on Auburn's team. Okay, that people don't realize how horrible that roster was that Hugh Freeze inherited. And the complete, I'm talking about complete rebuild it was going to take. And it's going to continue to take. Don't just think if you bring in a quarterback next year that we're going straight to the playoffs, folks. Mm -hmm. This is a three- to four-year rebuild. All right? Now, I do hear the concern, and you got to get playmakers the ball, and you got to give them hope, right, so they don't leave. But whether, you know, I trust that Hugh Freeze is going to do that, and he knows that. He got a mulligan last year. He's making the changes that he sees fit. If he trusts that Peyton Thorne or whoever comes up out of the spring, or you got to go get a quarterback, if Hugh Freeze comes on here and says, we're getting Will Rogers, he's our guy, he's our spring, we're going to roll with him, I'll trust that. But can we just stop throwing out names of people who once played quarterback and did really well somewhere else that are in the transfer portal, and they're just going to you know, parachute into Auburn and just be fantastic? Can we please stop that? Can we get realistic here? You know, they're rebuilding a roster with only a finite amount of NIL funds. They don't have enough money unless you're willing to pony it up to go get Cam Ward on top of Cam Coleman, on top of Perry Thompson, on top of Bryce Kane, on top of the the guy they brought in from Georgia State, potentially on top of Ryan Williams. Okay? There's not just a money tree over there shedding money like water oak leaves onto, onto Sanford Hall's lawn where we're just picking it up and throwing it at people. So, you know, I just kind of get tired of everyone just running down what we got. I trust Hugh Freeze to build up what we got moving forward from here on out. Very well said. And for anybody that knows me, I'm a huge fan of mulligans, that's for sure. I'll take all the mulligans I could get on the golf course, in life, in general. I love it. We need them from time to time. <laughs> we do need them. We all need a mulligan every now and then. 334-321-1390, that's the number to get you through to us. I know you got thoughts. I know you got comments. Come on in and be a part of the show here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. More Auburn football talk later on Auburn basketball coming up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. 
on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We need to open that window up a little bit. It's it's a little warm in this studio after Uncle T-Bone back on the airwaves after a few days. He's had all this all this energy built up inside. Got to let it out somehow. I blame Yak Prescott for, <laughs> for yakking it up again for my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think I think you can blame him too. That's a pretty good. There's a lot of people blaming the Cowboys for their frustrations this week. So um, no, we we appreciate you joining us here on this Wednesday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7. Phone lines remain open three three four three two one thirteen ninety. No. More more guests today it's all about you and us here on the show and want to kind of switch gears here because we're going to talk Auburn basketball coming up in the next segment because they are on the road tonight at Vanderbilt another late night tip we're not fans of it we know you're not either but there's other news going on in round college basketball we need to talk basketball results and we also need to talk about the storyline in the event that took place last night up in Tuscaloosa. And I'm not talking about the game itself. I don't care that Alabama beat Missouri. They beat a bad Missouri team. Congratulations. They play really well at home. Congratulations. That's a mediocre Bama team right now, I think. I know they're undefeated in conference play. whoop de doo But they get a win over Missouri last night, but that's not what everybody's talking about. Everybody's talking about the course of events that took place at the under eight media timeout when there was a little bit of a scuffle you could say in front of the Alabama bench and instead of letting the players handle it instead of letting the officials handle it the man himself Mr. Nate Oates the head coach of Alabama decided he was going to step in and handle it and he stepped in put his hands on a Missouri player and shoved him out of the way and said you get the bleep out of here and go back to your bench your thoughts on that, Uncle Tebow? Yeah, first of all, uh, I do think Alabama's a little bit better and mediocre. That's just me. And you're right about Missouri. They are not a good basketball team. They are desperately need some point guard play. I tell you, if they had Trey Donaldson on that team, they'd be a they'd be a much improved team. I just their guard like play uh, and and ball control coming down the court was just off last night. I mean, that's the first time I got a good look at them. And they shoot the ball well at times and in spurts, but that Missouri team, they try to get physical. They try to kind of get like A&M. Uh, they're more like Arkansas this season. They're, they're just they're just not they're, – they're put together with bubble gum and tape right now, I believe. But uh, the, the story that is uh, just really dominated that game is uh, crazy Nate Oates, you know, putting his hands on a Missouri player and giving him a shove, telling him to get out get away from their bench. And, uh, you know, my first thoughts are at no point does, you know, if I'm that player, you touching me, coach, should ever be involved in any discussion, right? You know, no head coach in today's world should be pushing an opposing player, putting their hands on another, uh, an opposing player, or their own players for that matter, Unless there was just like a full-blown brawl and you're in there trying to break it up. Right. And I think the SEC obviously saw that the, the same way. They, they gave a, a nice little reprimand to Nate Oates, the head coach at Alabama, from the, from the head office. You know what that sound was? That's a slap on the that wrist. That was a slap on the wrist, and he got a public one. Quote, Nate Oates' actions were unacceptable and violated the expectations for conduct and sportsmanship 
as established by the membership of the Southeastern Conference, said Greg Sankey. For those of you who don't know, that's the commissioner of the SEC. Under no circumstances that's should a, a coach— That's Sankey's speech. Yeah, under no circumstances should a coach make intentional contact with a student-athlete on an opposing team. How about any team? How about anyone? Get your, get your paws off players, Nate Oates. And look— Full transparency, I think Nate Oates is a fantastic basketball mind. Don't like the guy. I've never liked the guy. think he's a big blowhard, okay? But that guy's a good coach, and I think he's a mathematical, you know, has a mathematical mind, i.e. he was a former math teacher, which I could never do, and he's somehow turned this into and parlayed this into basketball coaching, and he's a good coach, man. Alabama's won a lot of games with them. They won a couple of SEC championships. That's no joke. There's something wrong with that guy. You know, I thought he was for a long time some kind of like wannabe Wimp Sanderson jerk trying to stir things up, trying to make rivals worse, trying to pump up his program by tearing down other programs by some of his comments. I.e. Eric Musselman. Yeah, he's always tried to get some kind of weird rivalry going for Auburn. Even even more intense than the Iron Bowl already is. There's really no need for it. I thought he was just some kind of blowhard, some kind of, you know, just trying to stir stuff up, trying to get attention for his program that was down for so long before he took over. No, I really think, Jacob, this guy's got a personality disorder. There's something wrong with him, and he needs help. Hmm. Alabama needs to get him some anger management or something because he's a loose cannon. And let me tell you what, you put put your hands on the wrong player and he gets body slammed out there on the court at Coleman Coliseum. And I'll tell you another thing, why in the world was he not teed up for that yeah. and thrown out of the game? Yeah, those are all the points you that I wanted to You can't do that. Make. Yeah, those are the points that I wanted to make. there's something wrong with that guy, Jacob. I'm telling you, he's a loose cannon. That's the big question, is why was there, why was there no reprimands in the game, right? Why was there two officials standing right there? And, and Doug did a great job talking about this earlier today on his show. He was talking about and, and did again did a really good job describing this. There were two officials hey, yeah, right there. Quick, yeah, real quick, y'all lay off Doug. Doug's a good dude, part of the ESPN family. He's doing a good job, and we appreciate him. Two officials standing there watching this go down, watching this play, and after the whistle go down, a little bit of a scuffle, right? Nothing too crazy, but Nate Oates decided to enter himself into the situation. And do I think that the the shove itself was this was it bad no. no he put his arm on the guy kind of on his chest right there where the missouri word was across the jersey and he kind of just it wasn't even like a full on let me try to put you on the floor it was let me get you out of the way type of shove okay yeah i'm not saying that's okay i'm not saying it's right that he did it but it's not like Nate Oates took both hands, took a step back, and just full-on pushed him onto his backside and tried to put him onto the earth, right? That's not how yeah, this went down. it's not like down. you tried to put him in a sleeper hold a la Ric Flair. <laughs> yeah, but the point that you just made is the one that I wanted to talk about today, was what would have happened? What would have happened if that player or any other player decided, uh-uh, you're not putting your hands on my guy and went over and just decked Nate Oates, another head coach in college basketball, another grown man. Then what happens? Then all hell's going to break loose, and then it's going to be really bad. What if the opposing head coach from Missouri or any other team said, 
Uh uh-uh. uh. You're not putting your hands on my guy. What if he retaliates and goes in at? I mean, that could have been really, really bad here. Thankfully, it wasn't. Thankfully, nothing bad did happen. But you can't put your hands on guys, man. You can't, it, you can't, as a head coach, you've got to have better awareness, a better sense of the situation, and understand you stepping into that does nothing, doesn't do anything. Let the officials handle it. Whether you agree with them or not, that's their job, not yours. Your job is to coach your guys, control your players, not the other team. Yeah, I think that... uh... I think that Dato's kind of reverted back to his high school days where he just naturally got in and like kind of tried to break up a couple of kids who might have gotten a scuffle in the hallways. The refs didn't do anything about it because they're in Coleman Coliseum. These aren't five-foot sophomores. Yeah, These are I grown men. I think, and, and, and that was poor judgment. And, and the refs were scared to tee him up in, in Coleman Coliseum. But that's exactly what he deserved. He deserved to be uh, 86 from, from the game. So, uh, and I'm with you, man. You don't go around putting your hands on another man They might give you a pass this time, but next time they're going to lay you out, brother. Mm. That's the storyline from the game last night. We'll talk more SEC results plus Auburn basketball. They take on Vanderbilt tonight. We'll talk about what they have to do to kind of break the curse up in Nashville. We'll talk about that coming up on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. With Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone. And let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Been a busy day over here. And Terry, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. What's on your mind? Hey, T-Bone, the Dallas Cowboys, I know you're going to blame... Uh, Prescott and all the ones, but I'm telling you that team ain't winning nothing as long as Jerry Jones has anything to do with that team. No, I, I'm with you. That's that. You know, everyone deserves a little bit of blame. Obviously, that's player, coach, personnel, but it all starts from the top, mm-hmm. and it's all flowing downhill from there. If you know what I mean. Well, he's starting to get his reputation of coaches don't want to come coach for him because they're just doomed. I mean, he does get a lot of retreads. So let's be honest. He gets a lot now, of retreads. Now we talk about Nate. Don't call me Woody Hayes Oates. There you go. Um, you know, uh, look, I've always thought that Nate Oates and Eric Musselman were the two biggest jerks in this league. And that's what made last year really painful for me as an Auburn fan to watch Alabama all that success. Now, it tickled me to death because they hang, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a final four, final four banner hanging in, in the, in Beard Eves, and there's not one in Tuscaloosa. Hello. Hello. Well, um, well here's the thing is, Nate Oates and Eric Musselman, they have pr- they pride themselves on A, being good coaches, because they are, but they pride themselves on being the unlikable jerk to every other fan base except their own, right? They Their fans love them, and look. When right, they're winning. When they're winning, yes. And Bruce Pearl has done that, not to the jerk sign, but Bruce Pearl's a guy that, look, there are many opposing fans that like Bruce Pearl. Why? Because he wins, and he's a winning guy. He's not a jerk. Bruce Pearl's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He is. But opposing fan bases don't like him because he wins. On the opposite side, those guys win, but they're also... They're just jerks, man. They just That's the narrative they've wanted to create for themselves, and they live it out just about every day. Yeah, Jack, coming from Talladega, I can tell you, Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson are nice guys, and they won all the time. People hated their guts. Exactly. People hate winners, Terry. 
Yeah, so, and I don't think Nick Saban's a bad guy. I just don't like him coaching Alabama. And I, I don't, like think, I said, I don't Nick, think he's a bad guy at all. He's been nice every that, time I've talked yeah, to him. I don't think that Nick Saban ever goes out of his way to give opposing fan bases any more ammunition than they need other than being their rival and being a winner. He doesn't rub it in people's face. He doesn't put his paws on other people's players. He doesn't, you know, the only Not pe- on social media. That's a huge part of it The only people that he's ever rude to is the media, which everyone gets a kick out of every once in a while. But the sad truth of it is, for jerks <clears throat> like Nate Oates and Eric Musselman, the sun rises on them just like it rises on the rest of us, Terry. And it well, sets, they, too. Their jerks would know that, but I, I tell you, Calipari's going to wear two and three pairs of pants to avoid that hot seat he's got. Yeah, you better believe it. Now, hey, they've got a good team up there right now, though. Yeah, but that losses like they had at Texas A&M ain't, ain't going to go well. Well, you know, speaking of Texas A&M, that was an odd line, Texas A&M at home. Uh, you know, they just weren't ready to play, and A&M got them. I mean, that's good. Wade Taylor can fill it up. And it's very impressive, even more impressive of what Auburn did to him defensively here at Neville right. Arena, not Beardy's, not Beardy's Memorial Coliseum, like you said earlier. The only thing hanging in there nowadays is asbestos. <laughs> so I think that's going to take it when Auburn spanks him in a week or so. Because oh, well. I don't think Alabama is near as good as you think, Jacob. Me? I, 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 don't, I really don't. I was about to say, I'm I don't, sorry. I don't Jacob think, they're, all think that. they're good. I think that I like they're a little that. bit better. I mean, that – you know, back to Nate Oates, that player that he got after is probably just in the wrong place at the wrong time, guys. I don't think Alabama's near as good. God, they're averaging over twelve turnovers a game. I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't it's buy all that. about how they shoot the three. It's all about how they shoot the three. If Auburn can just guard Mark Sears, that's how it, Sears is a player. Mark Sears, yeah, yeah and, he was a and Auburn's got the guards night. to guard him this year. Yeah. You better believe that they got yeah. four of them that can guard him. Finally, got some size, not a bunch of uh, dwarfs. There you go. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Terry. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety, and that's a good transition as we talk about this Auburn team, right. comparing them to the rest of the SEC, including Vanderbilt tonight, who they're just not good, guys. Vanderbilt's not good, okay. But Auburn's track record in Nashville on the road playing basketball in that weird arena that they play in—it's not good, Uncle T. It's, not it's just not. Yeah, that has just been a strange place for Auburn to go into. Um, you know, I kind of caught a little flack about how hard it was for Auburn to go into Bud Walton a few weeks ago. Historically, when they go against Arkansas, Auburn went in there and just rickrolled the Razorbacks. Uh, but you know what? I hope I catch flack on this one. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough place. Auburn has struggled up at Vanderbilt. I hate the late tip-off up there. And uh, I really do feel like that this is going to be a close game. Uh, that line was at 13-and-a-half. It opened up, and it, according to www.scoresandodds.com, it's dropped to an 11-and-a-half. That's a two-point swing. Uh, at least the people out there playing for entertainment purposes only think that the Commodores are going to keep it within double digits against the Tigers. And I kind of feel that way, too. Look, and I know they're not good, and I, and I know y'all don't think Alabama's as good as their record is in the SEC play, but Vanderbilt gave them all they wanted up there in the SEC home opener. Yeah, they did. And here's the thing about the SEC before we get to another phone call. The SEC, under Alabama and Auburn and under Tennessee and Kentucky, outside that top four, everybody's eating each other alive, man. And and that's the problem this conference has here in the last couple of years because it's gotten so good, Uncle T-Bone, because it's yeah. gotten so much better than it used to be. Everybody just beats up on each other. The Big Ten's doing it right now. The Pac-12 does it sometimes. The Big 12 does it a lot of times as well, where 
Look at Georgia and Ole Miss and LSU and A&M and Arkansas. All those teams, they're just beating each other, and they're going to end up hurting each other down the stretch. And so that's why it's important for Auburn to stay above that that's line. Right. Stay above the fray. That's right. Exactly. 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. Hey, first, T-Bone, I, uh, no one caught that, man, but I like your little fly. Wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> I've been waiting oh, all day man. to say that. Uh, that was that was that was great. I I I, I literally laughed out loud. I was I was driving down the road, uh, and he just glanced off Terry. Uh, he just kept on. But anyway, that was that was hilarious. Um, I I think uh, I think uh, Auburn. I don't think they're going to struggle tonight. I think uh, maybe some of the shots won't fall. Uh, and, and it will be a little bit closer. It's not going to be a blowout like Arkansas. I still do think that uh, we will easily um, roll to a double-digit win, though. Um, then we can play our second string, and and I think we'd still win. You know, if we, we will play our second string a lot. <laughs> I'm saying like I'm saying like we could we could only play our yeah. second string. Yeah. No, I'm with I, you on I, that. I think I think we would do. You know, still. I think our second string is is better than. Or, or as good as most people's uh, starters. Well, I, I, yeah, I've said that. I think most of those guys. I think Trey Donaldson, Katie Johnson, K, uh, Chaney Johnson, Chad Baker Mazzara, and Dylan Cardwell. You take those five guys and put them against some of the other starters in this league, and I think that's a above average team in the SEC right now. And that's what Auburn's bringing off their bench. Yeah, off the bench, and so when other teams start, they're going on their bench, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna we'll get a little breather." No, we're gonna we we keep it. We we even take it up a notch and, mm-hmm. and keep cramming it down your throat. And um, I I think man, the sky's the limit for this team. I'm I, I, as long as we don't slack up, if we can stay focused, which I, I think we will on the road for the road games. I have no problem with with any of our yeah. Home games, it's important right now, especially on the road, especially against teams that you're a big favorite against just to go ahead and take care of business just get the win stack up wins right it's like putting money in the bank stack up wins early in the sec play it's going to get tougher the season's going to go on but as fresh as auburn can keep itself that momentum unlike in past years can continue yes i think it'll take us deeper i don't know another team that's like that but uh, well LSU is actually kind of deep. If you if you watch them, um, if you watch them the other the other day, yeah, they're, they're deep. They're deep. Um, and is and and so Tennessee. I think if you just if you just handle that one guy, I think uh, I think that's the recipe. Mm-hmm. Take care of that one dude, and and everybody else, you know. That connect man. He's a player. Yeah. Anyway, guys, I uh, love the show. Appreciate it, Shane. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. He's right about LSU. You go look. They have all but one guy plays double-digit minutes for LSU. That's impressive. Now, production points-wise isn't anything crazy, but they have tons of guys that play anywhere from 18 to 35 minutes a game. Like they, They've got a pretty good depth thing going on there, too, so good call on that, Shane. Yep. And also another good call, I like what he said, how with this game tonight, Auburn on the road at Vanderbilt, by the way, here locally in Auburn, Opelika, you can catch that broadcast over on our sister station, Wings, oh 94.3 and wingsfm.com. Game is at 8. I know, I know. We don't make the rules. We didn't set the game time. If we did, we'd make it right now. We'd make that game right now. We'd talk about it as it went on. But that'll be at 8 o'clock. 
o'clock. Pre-game will start at 7.30. Andy Burcham and the guys are there in Nashville, so be sure that you... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't make it right now, Jacob. It's about an hour before happy hour. That'd be a perfect time about <laughs> 5 o'clock. Back to LSU. Good night in the SEC. <laughs> Cranks up at 6 o'clock, Mississippi State at Kentucky on ESPN2. Kentucky looking to rebound from a uh, funny loss to Texas A&M this past Saturday. Mississippi State uh, got beat at home by Alabama. That's a team that's been a surprise so far in the SEC. At the same time, over on the SEC Network, number 22, Ole Miss at LSU, LSU looking to rebound from uh, taking a taking a bludgeoning at Neville Arena this past Saturday night. And then to cap it all off, at the nightcap, 8 o'clock, the late game again. Aren't we all excited about it? SEC Network, number 13, Auburn at Vanderbilt. Tigers currently an 11 to an 11, uh, excuse me, a 10 to a 10 and a half point favorite according to which site that you normally follow. It's going to be a good night of basketball in the SEC. Last night, several games around the league. We talked about Georgia taking care of business, 74-69 with Jordan Hill, dogs 24-7 against South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina. Florida kicked it off last night Tennessee at Tennessee. This game was never close. The Vols really flexing their muscles. Tennessee scraping by Georgia in Athens this past Saturday, but rallying big against the Florida Gators, 85-66. Missouri went up to uh, Coleman Coliseum in a weird and funny matchup against Alabama where Nate Oates again lost his mind. Tide takes care of business. Alabama leading the league right now undefeated along with Auburn. And then last but not least, last night an exciting game in Arkansas, a desperate hog team with a late shot beating Texas A&M mm. 78-77. Atta boy. Let's get to the phone lines again. 334-321-1390. Dak, you're on the line, brother. What's up? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. What's on your mind on this Wednesday, chilly Wednesday afternoon? I know it. I know it. Before I start bragging on Auburn's basketball team, man, what about this guy from Tennessee, man? Where did he come from? Mm, he is a he, he has come on the scene as of late, and he has given people all sorts of fits right now. What is it I saw where he's averaging 30-something points over the last three games? Yeah, it's something like that. I mean, he That's is just – Are we talking about Dalton Neck going for 39 last night against the Gators? Gosh, when's the last SEC player done something like that in back-to-back games? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Yeah, Dalton Connect, the guard, he's played in all 17 games, averaging under 30 minutes. He's averaging 18 and a half points, but the last few games have been really, really good for him. In his last few games, he has scored 39, 36, and 28 points. I'd say that's pretty good in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in the SEC this year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Arkansas. I normally wait till about the fifth or sixth game before I start making some predictions. And I and I understand you know injuries and things like that take place and affects this. But guys, I said this three uh, two weeks ago. Oh, at the worst, man, we should end up fourteen and four in the SEC. Yeah, I'm at with you. Worst. Yeah, I'm with you on that. There's a couple tough games. I mean, road games are obviously tough, and and I'm confident in Auburn winning all of their home games. But yeah, I mean, there's tough there's tough road games. And look, go look right. at college basketball, man. That's I said it before. Road conference games are where ranked teams go to die. Right, right. You're absolutely. Did right. you say but you man, think we'll you win know, 14 more conference? We'll win 14 conference games. That'd be 11 more than we've already won, putting us at about a 25 to 26 total season in wins where do you think Dak 
that would put us in the tournament about a two or three seed? At, at the least, it should put us at a two seed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's as important as any time in college basketball to be as high a seed as possible in the tournament with the uh, with the uh, with all the good teams that are out there. NIL has affected basketball as well. And there are, you know, a, a number eight seed can get you just as quick as a number four seed can get That's you. That's right. I, guys, I could see this happening. And like I said, I, I really do think that we'll go through the, the regular season and end up no worse than 14 and four. And I think this year we do have a good tournament team. However, I could see LSU or Texas A&M being that spoiler again in the tournament. I know this is early talking about SEC tournament, mm-hmm. but – I could, you know, it's always tough when when you win that regular season and you have a really good record. It's tough to carry that over into the SEC tournament. Yeah, it uh, is. But 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 we do have a good tournament team, though. Yes, time. yes, we do. The shooting, the depth, the defense, all those things build a good tournament team in the SEC tournament and in the NCAA tournament. And that's why I think this is just a different year for Auburn basketball. There's just very very few flaws on this team, Dak. Absolutely, and the biggest thing is the depth. There is no fall off. Even that, even eleven and twelfth guy is a guy that would play at other places as their eighth and ninth guy. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, we go beyond two deep, really. That's exactly right, Dak. And that's a dangerous team. Let me tell you that. Yeah, guys, good to hear you guys. Have a good one. Good to hear from you as well, Dak. We appreciate you calling in, Dak, from Columbus. 334-321-1390. we got to get to our final break. We've got the barbershop waiting when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We got one more phone call. We'll get to that, make our final predictions for Auburn and Vanderbilt tonight on the hardwood. 334-321-1390 in the barbershop. You're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow. There he is. I got you now. What's on your mind? You ready for some warm towels and a good shave today? Let's let's hear it. Bring let's it see on, what you barbershop. Got. Bring it on, baby. Well, well I was listening earlier, and I – I'm getting a little perturbed with all the Auburn fans just hating on Peyton Thorne all the time. And, you know, you, you, everybody says, hey, we're going to back you freeze up 100%, and yet then you want to throw him under the bus when he decides that's who his quarterback's going to be next year. And if we could get some offensive linemen in here, which we have, if we could get some elite receivers in here, which we have, Things might look a little different, so everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit with the thorn hate and get on the get on the bus with it, what we're doing here. Thank you, Barber Shop and Huey Trust. If it's good enough for Hugh for Peyton Thorne to be the quarterback, I'm rolling with it. Who needs and, Will and Rogers? Look, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying the guy's a, a, a Heisman winner, but let's give him a shot here. He had no shot last year. He, he had little time to throw the ball, and when you when you got receivers that can't get open, it or takes catch. your limited offensive line yeah, longer or catch to block. The ball. Yeah, and they can't they can't block those receivers open. And my God, once they get open, if he hits them in the hands, they don't catch it. So it, it, it's a it's a no win battle there with with that setup. I think you'll see 
receivers that can make separation immediately next year. I think you'll see guys that can get open, catch the ball, and, and the best part is when they catch the ball, they can go and make plays afterwards. Barbershop It's going to back these DBs up. It's going to keep them from stacking the box, and then you're going to you. have your running backs, who, who we've got three stacked running backs, they're going to be able to get more yardage next year. So everybody needs to pump the brakes and, and put some trust in Hugh here. Barbershop laying down some truth bombs there. That's how you do it. What else you got for us, brother? I'm just I'm, – I'm really excited about this basketball game tonight. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, we got Every about a minute I'm with you left. Here. What's your thoughts on it tonight? Um, I'm going to say we win by about 15. Okay. 81-65. 81-65. Maybe that's 16. So, give me a 16-point win at Vandy, 81-65. I like it, man. Barbershop, thanks so much for calling in, man. It's great to hear from you as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Been a great show today. Uh, if you missed any of it, you can catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com, or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 back in the first hour. Lots of football talk in Tuscaloosa. Lots of football talk here in Auburn. Lots of basketball talk here late in hour number two as well. Uncle T-Bone, uh, we got about two minutes. Your final predictions for tonight, Auburn and Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think Auburn comes out shooting the ball poorly. Uh, that's their MO in uh, in Nashville, uh, especially in that, in that arena. But unlike in past years, the Tigers got a hundred different ways to Sunday to beat you. Uh, it'll be a physical matchup. Vanderbilt is one of those desperate SEC teams right now just looking for a win and to stop the bleeding. I like that 81 number right there that Barbershop just threw out. I'm going to throw it out too. I like the Tigers 81 pulling away late for the cover. Vanderbilt 69. Mm. Well, uh, I believe it was Shane a little bit ago that that brought up the Texas A&M game for Auburn, and that's the comparison I'm going to give for tonight's game. I think Auburn's going to play poorly to start, maybe not consistently, but they're just too talented. And you can go to the bench and find a spark somewhere. There's too many guys that play to not have a spark come from somewhere. And if Jalen Williams is aggressive like he has been as of late, the shooting will come, the scoring will come, You'll look up and Auburn's going to have 75 points and you're not going to know how they did it. So that's going to be my prediction. I think Auburn wins. I think they win based off of talent. They're going to go to that weird-looking arena. I was there in person last year. It was horrible. It was unique to look at, but it was horrible to watch Auburn lose in that building. I don't think was it Was that the annual tonight. guys trip? Yes, it was. Where, where are we going again this season? We are going to Georgia this week All right, or I'll this make, year. I'll make sure I get with local man and, and put in a, <laughs> a, a, a wager against the Tigers. Aren't y'all like 0 for 10 now <laughs> we are 0 and 5 <laughs> 0 and 5 on our yearly trips so uh i'm sure i'm sure coach pearl appreciates that oh yeah i'm sure he does i'm sure he uh he probably just kind of got upset when he heard us talk about me going to the georgia game this year so no i think auburn wins tonight i think it'll be a not a great performance but again i think auburn's going to come up with a double digit win and it'll look kind of like it has every game this season so we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show i'll be back you'll be here on friday uncle tebow that's right i'll be here tomorrow two to four we'll have chris gordy and brad law but hey in case you didn't get enough of me Stay tuned right here on ESPN 106.7. I'm filling in for Bill and Dan on the drive coming up, pulling double duty on a Wednesday afternoon. So stay tuned. That's coming up from 4 to 6. Well, I can't wait to uh, be back on the air. On the line, baby. It's been a heck of a show, the show that calls it like it is and holds nothing back. It'll be a free-for-all Friday. 
Let's go, Tigers, and take care of those Commodores in Nashville tonight. He'll be back on Friday. I'll be back on this show tomorrow, 2-4. to four. Brad Law, Chris Cordy, all the news. But the drive coming up, I'll have Jason Caldwell with me, plus your phone calls as well. The drive coming up here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.